Welcome to Keep Calm and Cook On. I'm Julia Tertian. This episode is one in a five-part series that is all about baking. I'm talking to cookbook authors, avid home bakers, and more about what draws us to baking, what it feels like when we bake, and the creativity and history that we can tap into when we bake. For more about this podcast, my cookbooks, my virtual cooking classes, and just everything, head to juliatertian.com. And while you're listening, please remember to rate and review Keep Calm and Cook On on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. All of those notes and stars help to grow the community that listens to this show. And it means so much to me and all of my guests each time you do this. Thank you. Thanks so much to King Arthur Baking for partnering with me to make this special series of the podcast possible. I have always used King Arthur flour in both my kitchen and in my recipes because it delivers consistently great baking results and it's widely available. I also love their pre-cut parchment sheets and I recommend them to everyone. King Arthur Baking is a 100% employee-owned company and a founding B Corp, and they're always seeking ways to use the power of baking to make a difference for people and for the planet. Learn more about what they do and shop their flour and other baking products at kingarthurbaking.com. That's kingarthurbaking.com. Today's episode is my fifth in a series of five episodes about baking. And my guest today is David Tamarkin, the editorial director of King Arthur Baking. If you've listened to the other episodes in this series, you've already heard David and me talking about King Arthur's Recipe of the Year series. On this episode, David reveals the 2022 Recipe of the Year. We also talk about what goes into making the recipes at King Arthur, the value of a trusted recipe, and the way baking something can boost your confidence and also strengthen your community. Okay, without further ado, we're gonna just jump right in. Here's David with the big reveal. So the 2022 recipe of the year is the ultimate sandwich bagel. And that word sandwich is really important. It's a bagel that has been specifically constructed, developed to be perfect on sandwiches. And I ate several of them this morning in sandwich form. And I can tell you they are a perfect sandwich bake. So a recipe of the year, which, you know, for those who are not familiar, it's one recipe that King Arthur puts out every year that really think is iconic and is going to set the tone of baking for the rest of the year. So this is a recipe that you can bake all year long and will probably just end up in your repertoire forever because Mm -hmm. we work really hard to make these recipes foolproof. So and they, and they each and they each try to solve a problem. So last year, uh, 2021, or I should say this year, 2021, the recipe of the year is uh, perfectly pillowy cinnamon rolls, mm-hmm. which we all need. Solve the problem. Yeah, you all we all need them. I mean, everyone loves cinnamon rolls, but cinnamon rolls do tend to they're an enriched dough, but they're not super enriched. They don't have a ton of fat in the dough, so they can get dry the next day mm. or they can lose their sort of suppleness. And so uh, we use the uh, Tazong method. Uh, it's a key technique in Japanese milk bread, mm-hmm. for example, if, you, if you've ever made that. Yeah. Um, and actually more and more, I see it being used just because it is, it, it works. And it's a very simple thing. It only takes 15 extra minutes. You make it and then you let it cool for a few minutes and then you're ready to go and keep on going with your recipe. That's so cool when these like methods from like one culture where it like works so well and like Japanese milk bread is, I mean, just so delicious and like one of the best things 
ever to come out of an oven. So it's like, oh, if this works well here and keeps this really soft, then to take this method and apply it somewhere else where you want that same result, that's that's the fun thing about cooking and baking. (laughs) Absolutely. And and that recipe to, you know, kind of keep it soft for a couple of days Mm -hmm. and and use it's a cinnamon roll that you can serve, you can make the night before and then frost and serve in the morning, which to me is the biggest problem with cinnamon rolls because how do you get them in the morning without waking up at 5 a.m.? I will say in my first cookbook, my first like solo cookbook, I did a recipe for, it was kind of like a cinnamon roll, but instead of like the cinnamon filling, you spread raspberry jam on the dough, roll it up. Oh, I made that. Oh, I've made, made that. Them. Yeah. From your book. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like I remember maybe you posting this, which was very sweet and surreal. Yeah. So it's like same concept, same kind of enriched dough and then this raspberry jam then you cut them, you bake them, they come out of the oven. You put this like really simple, really delicious, like creme fraiche frosting, which is just like mm. creme fraiche and powdered sugar. Yeah. And the question I have been asked 1 million times, and I wish I had like done a better job of explaining in the book was like, how do you make this the night ahead? So you can like pop them in the oven in the morning. And it's like one of these things where I wish at times cookbooks I've worked on were websites so I could just go update it because I just feel this question all the time. So I'm just saying that from personal experience, the fact that, you know, you all thought through this is just so wonderful. And I think that bakers are just really, especially when it comes to bread sharing techniques, it's just a real part of the of, mm-hmm. of, of bread bakers DNA. They're very generous going back and forth. There's like a generosity of spirit that. I think comes from so many things. Like, I feel like often when you bake something, you do it to share it. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely baked things just for myself because I just want to eat that thing. But it often comes with this feeling of sharing and giving. Yeah. Yeah. Bakers are great. (laughs) What's what's Uh, the point of making something that you're going to get 12 of or 24 of, you know, if you're not going to at least yeah. a little bit. A lot of it goes into my freezer because I just like to eat them too. Like, and I just like to have emergency cookies. and but sharing and with your future self, there is a generosity. Okay, so who is behind the recipes? So it's the King Arthur Test Kitchen. So uh, Charlotte Rutledge did the um, the crispy <laughs> seafood pan pizza. One of the best, I mean, one of my favorite recipes of all time. Obsessed mm-hmm. with that recipe. She also did the perfect pillowy cinnamon rolls. So Amazing. She's she's, a, she's great. This uh, new recipe, the bagel, uh, is done by another baker in Test Kitchen. We call her Molly MK mm-hmm. because her name, some people have trouble pronouncing her last name, but her name is Molly Marzalek Kelly. Incredible, incredible baker who went through many, many, many bagels uh, to get this. The problem we were trying to solve with this recipe, mm-hmm. like each, each recipe of the year is, is trying to solve a problem. It's that bagels are great. No, I mean, I don't think very many people would argue with that. Bagels are, don't need to change, but bagels can be tough mm-hmm. to make it to a sandwich. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, sometimes they're too tough. Sometimes they're too crispy. Sometimes it's just like they're too big. You can't mm-hmm. get like a mouthful. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we wanted to create a bagel that was sort of like sized and and had the right texture for a sandwich. I will just say yes. These are all really nice problems to have like oh my bagel's too big (laughs) i appreciate so much the like attention to detail in this process and to figure out yeah the problem solving is is amazing and to think through with this thoughtfulness about like what is going to be the best result for both the baker and the eater 
I mean, that like really comes through. Okay, I cut you off. Please continue. Oh, I, oh, I was just gonna say this is the first. I think this is the first recipe of the year King Arthur has put out that is a savory cooking element too. Because what mm. we did is we we put out a the bagel. The recipe is the bagel, but it's also mm-hmm. a bagel sandwich. Like, and there's a lot of cool technique in this egg and cheese bagel sandwich that that Molly created. Um, she created this technique of making eggs for a crowd in the oven and creating a pocket, we call it mm-hmm. an egg pocket where you can put the cheese in so that the cheese stays warm, it stays gooey, and it doesn't, you know, you don't have to mess with, you know, adding it separately, melting it separately in the bagel. It's just all there and contained and it creates amazing cheese bowls. So there's just a lot of smart stuff in this recipe. Um, yeah. and, and I'm just, you know, I'm just, and like you said earlier, I have the best job because all I have to do is like sit back and like, oh, I get to taste this again. Thank you. You know, I just, I just taste it, watch them do it. And then, you know, write a little, write some words about it. Go on a podcast yeah. about it. You know? <laughs> I love it. I mean, the recipe looks amazing. I have not yet made it, but I'm excited to make it. Bagels to me, I have made them before, but they're not something I make at home. It's like something... I will go to the bagel shop. I mean, I grew up in New York City. Like you pick up bagels. I grew up in a Jewish family in New York. It was like, we pick up our bag of bagels every week. A tradition I have that has lapsed in my adulthood that I need to start again. But this recipe makes me excited to make them at home. And it feels like something I could do. And I think a lot of that is this feeling of trust, knowing the time and energy that Molly has put into this and knowing the results I've had with other King Arthur recipes. And I'm not like just saying this because I'm talking to you, especially with baking recipes and especially with something that takes like the time and labor, a bagel recipe. Like I want to know if I'm going to make it, but it's going to turn out (laughs) like I don't want to put in all that effort Mm -hmm. for something that might not be great. So do you think it's worth making these at home or do you think People should just go buy bagels. What makes these worth making? I think this is a perfect recipe for any level of bagel baker, including people who have never baked a bagel before. Mm -hmm. And the thing that makes it so, I think, great for beginning bagel bakers is that the dough is just really easy to work with. It's not a super hydrated dough. There are other bagel recipes on our site, some great ones. You know, Martin Phillip, who's uh, another baker here, Great baker, great writer. There's a recipe for Martin's bagels on our site. That's a great bagel recipe as well. But it, it's it's more hydrated. It's going to mm-hmm. stick, which this, which this means it's going to be a little tougher to handle, especially yeah. if you're new to making bagels. It's going to be wet and sticky. Yes. And you're going to feel like, what's happening? Right. You might have you might have more moments of like, oh my God, this is sticky. Mm-hmm. And one thing that, I, that uh, is a pitfall for me when I'm making bagels is you... You know, you're making the dough, you shape the dough, they're they're proofed. Now you have to put them in the boiling water mm-hmm. and they're perfect shape. They're, they're looking like real bagels. And then when I put them into the boiling water, it's like I mess up the shape royally because it sticks to my hands or I like I, mm-hmm. just, I pinch it too hard or something like that. And then they come out looking like, you know, just deformed. You're making them yeah. roll. <laughs> <laughs> roll. Which is the worst insult for a bagel. I think that, uh, so these bagels have just have a really nice dough to work with. It's just a pleasure working with this dough. It holds its shape. I like that it's a smaller bagel. I mean, I, I really like that uh, because I think that bagels are supposed to be smaller. Mm-hmm. Or, or, or I should say, traditionally, they were smaller mm-hmm. than some of the behemoths we get. Mm-hmm. Working with something that size, I think, is a little bit easier. And yes, it's absolutely worth making at home. I think it's a real confidence building, bagel mm-hmm. recipe for sure. And I, I don't think you will need to 
Do you have any other bagel recipe in your life? But it's a style, you know, it's a style of bagel. And then multiple this, then what makes it a sandwich bagel is that there is a suppleness to it when it's after it's baked. That mm-hmm. makes it great for sandwiches. It's like got a, an elasticity. It's definitely chewy. It's got a great chew, but it's not a super, super crunchy bagel mm-hmm. all the way through. It's 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 soft enough so you can actually bite into it and yeah. eat a sandwich and make it, you know, eat a sandwich with it. Filling is not flying out. Right. The filling, right, exactly. Because that's the thing you were trying to avoid when you eat a bagel mm-hmm. and you take a bite and then all the filling comes out. Listeners can't see this, but I'm demonstrating this with my Yes, hands. yes, yes. Yes. Okay, which I appreciate. <laughs> So, so yeah, it's totally, totally 100% worth making at home. And I think it'll inspire people to be bagels. I think this year people, we're going to have more bagel bakers in this country than ever. And then also, then, yeah, of course, go get bagels. Just continue to support your bagel store. We want bagel, we want to support bagel bakers everywhere. It's just going to be mean more bagels for everyone. Yeah. I mean, more bagels, more better. Fantastic. Yes. It's also a really great introduction to bread baking in general, because if you make bagels, you or if you make this bagel recipe in particular, like you're making a starter, you're making this dough, you're like feeling what it feels like, but it's also like you're making bagels, which are like smaller things, <laughs> which mm-hmm. I think at least for me, feels like a little easier to sometimes handle than, Oh, I'm making this huge loaf of something that can feel a little intimidating. So I think it's, it definitely, like you said, I think is a great recipe for any level baker and a great introduction and sort of confidence builder and booster and all that, which I feel like how many things can we say that about that we get to just do in our homes all the time? Like that's so wonderful. (laughs) It's like so great. You're in Vermont sometimes now visiting King Arthur. Sounds like getting to eat a lot of great bagels that other people make and you get to sit there with your laptop. I mean, it sounds really cushy, um, <laughs> but you also still do live in New York where you've lived for a while. So just to be really controversial and hard hitting, do you have a favorite bagel shop in New York? Where do you go? Favorite one in Brooklyn, favorite one in Manhattan, whatever other boroughs can be part of this. Okay. You don't have to answer this if you don't want. You can also well, say more than one thing. I'm just curious. <laughs> And what's your order? Oh, I do have. You so, look so stressed out. I know, I know, I, was, I, know, I know. Um, I have a lot to say. So, so I, I am lucky to live not too far from what I think is a great bagel shop in Harlem called mm-hmm. Moe's Bagels, mm-hmm. and I, I just think they do an exemplary bagel. It's to me what that means is that it has flavor. I think bagel has to have that fermented. Mm-hmm. Flavor, a dough, a fermented dough. I, I I saw recently. I won't say where, but I saw recently a, a recipe for a bagel that is made in three hours. To me, that's not a bagel. To me, that really is a roll. Mm-hmm. It's a bagel shaped roll. It's a roll mm-hmm. with a hole in it. A roll with a hole, which oh, is yes. fine. Uh, but yeah, um, Mo's. So so Moe's in Harlem. It's it's a great bagel shop. I encourage everyone to go there. It's, it's just really fabulous. It's fantastic. I really like Zoe Kanan's bagels mm-hmm. and she, you, they're hard to get because, because Zoe Kanan's not at a bakery right now, but she's popping up places. And in fact, you know, I mean, Vermont now, and it's, and I love being in Vermont. It's, it's, it's gorgeous. But the first thing I'm going to do when I get back to New York tomorrow is I'm going to go to her pop-up in Brooklyn and get some bagels and hopefully she'll continue to do that. So I love her as a bagel baker. My answer anytime anyone's like, what's the best bagel shop in New York, I'm always like the one that's closest to where you are. That's the best one. I just want to say that I think one of the 
very, very best bagels I've had in a long time that was not in New York. It's in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Great. Pittsburgh. Pigeon bagels in Pittsburgh. If you don't know it, you do now. And it's, you can never forget it. It's so, it's a really, really phenomenal bagel. And I am lucky to have one of my very best friends in Pittsburgh who lives around the corner from there. And they're hard to get, like they, they, they fly off the shelves, but that's, mm-hmm. that's a really good bagel shop too. So that's one thing. And my order is, I, I do, when I'm at a good bagel shop, like most, I don't get them toasted. I, it's an uh-huh. untoasted sesame. I mean, like probably like a, like a chive cream cheese. It's, mm-hmm. pretty, it's pretty basic. Yeah. I mean, sounds good. Sounds great. Yeah. Yes. When you just said about pigeon in Pittsburgh and describing Mo's too, you're like, you know, it's a good bagel shop to someone who has never been to a good bagel shop. What does that mean? How do you know you're in a good bagel shop? You know, that's interesting because I was talking about Mo's and pigeons and they're both, uh, they're really different. I think of a bagel shop. I think of the bagel shop, Marcus Bagels in Cincinnati, where I, you know, the bagel shop I grew up with. Mm-hmm. I think of it, it's very, very deli-ish, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's got a real vibe to it. And it, and it's got a lot of bagels on offering and you and it, they will make a sandwich, right? They'll give it, do, give you the schmear, give you a huge scoop of tuna, they'll give you whatever. And I say it's interesting because pigeon is not that. Like they, mm-hmm. it's, it's just it's little little tiny space that they only have a takeout window on they'll they'll obviously they'll put cream cheese on the bagel but it's not that doesn't have like a, that bagel shop feeling mm-hmm. with like a deli where you can kind of go and get like a full lunch it really does mm-hmm. feel like a like a very specific thing so i think i would have said oh, maybe a few years ago that a, a good bagel shop has to have that feeling but now i i don't know i think it could be i think it take multiple forms hmm. but but i do have a lot of love for that classic bagel shop where you get the and you can get the tuna and you can kind of get some, some Jewish American foods. I'm, you know, I'm more, I want that to stick around, you know, I want to support that type of business. Mm-hmm. I'm just worried that it, that it'll go somewhere. So yeah, that, that's, that's what comes to my, to my first, I don't think it has to be that way, but I hope it does mm-hmm. stick that way. And when you say you want these businesses to stick around, which I wholeheartedly agree, I feel like you also mentioned we were like emailing briefly before, you know, you feel there is like a bagel shop resurgence in this country. So do you think that is a bit of a, you know, response to feeling like this might be something that we're losing? Like, what do you think that's all about? I do. I think that, and I think, I think Pigeon's part of that. Pigeon's only a few years old. Again, to, to talk about Cincinnati, where I grew up, they're getting all these new bagel shops there. And but like Pigeon, they're kind of like in in like city markets, and they're like stands, they're pop ups, mm-hmm. they're they're not full shops. I think that there is a resurgence. I think it's looking a little different than it used to in the past. I know that you know Tejal at the times is like really hot on those LA bagels. I'm dubious. I have sources that say they're not as good as New York bagels, <laughs> but whatever. Uh, but I definitely think there's a lot of bagel making going on. It, it, well, it's a good thing because there are still many cities in this country where you cannot get a good bagel. Mm-hmm. One, one good example is a place where I lived for a long time in Chicago. You have to go to the suburbs. That's wild. Chicago's the third largest city in the country. Mm-hmm. You can't get a bagel in Chicago. I mean, I was a restaurant critic there for 10 years. You cannot get hmm. a good bagel in Chicago. So that's that that worries me. And so, yeah. so yes, is it changing? Yes, is it? Is it good enough yet? No, I think we need, I think we need more. We need um, more. Yeah, we need more. <laughs> okay, let's say a lot of people make this recipe and let's say one person in each state opens a bagel shop. Yeah. That would be like amazing, right? That would be amazing. And I'm, and I, I That's know- That's not that so, many people. It's not. And I, and it's actually not that far-fetched. If you think about what happened over the pandemic, when so many people started 
making sourdough. I, I personally, I personally know two people who in the course of the pandemic, you know, bake their first loaf of bread mm-hmm. and now open, now operate brick and mortar bakeries making sourdough beans. I mean, I, I wonder if you know anybody, but like, I mean, that that is a real thing that happened. Yeah. Um, I feel like there's been this simultaneous, you know, popularity of baking for, I think, obvious reasons, but I think one's worth naming here, you know, just, you know, something safe to do, <laughs> something comforting to yeah. do, something like we were talking about before that you can share with people, with neighbors and loved ones and all that. Something that makes you feel confident <laughs> in a world mm-hmm. where that's hard to come by, you know, and on and on. And that combined with all of us, I think, having such a deep craving for community and seeing people in person, like it makes sense that this could turn into more bagel shops. I'm all for it. Yeah. And, and what you're, and what you're saying is really, is really true. The other thing I want to say, just to talk about something you said just two minutes ago about why people started baking during the pandemic and all those reasons. But I just want to say, just to use the name of your first book, I think baking is just full of small victories, mm-hmm. particularly baking bread and baking bagels. Mm-hmm. It's not, you don't get it right the first time. You don't get it right the, the second time or the third time. I mean, I mean, it's hard. It's really hard to work with, especially since, especially if you're doing sourdough, mm-hmm. which a lot of people were doing, even if it's not exactly right the first time, there are so many, so many victories you've done. I mean, you've made a loaf of bread that you can probably still eat. I've made countless loaves of breads that didn't get, get good up mm-hmm. in spring and I still eat them. They're still delicious. You know, I eat them. And the thrill of getting a little better each time mm-hmm. is that is so motivating. And I just, I think that's what was motivating a lot of bakers over the course of the pandemic and why some of them have gone pro because you just get used to that feeling. You want that again mm-hmm. and again, and, and you're never done, right? It's just like anything yeah. else, like writing, painting, whatever. You're never, you're, you're never done learning. But the small victories are are many, and they're so exciting. I mean, you should see my my partner says like he never sees me as happy as I am when like I when I take the lid off the cast iron pot that I'm baking my bread and uh-huh. see if it's if it's if it's gotten good. I'm in spring. I'm like it's the happiest I am all week. Like I'm yeah. if it's not, then I'm a little disappointed. But uh, but yeah, those those victories are really really motivating. I love that, um, and I love and one and and I, and I bring it up because I think you know. I think I told you before that that name of the book that of small victories and that concept of, of cooking and baking being full of them. I think is the smartest and one of the most important like uh, points that anybody's made in baking and cooking in a long time. And it's and that is why people should cook and why they shouldn't be intimidated to cook or bake because you're gonna hit one of those. Yeah. If you keep going. And so it's such a, such a loving concept. I love that concept and it's so true for, for baking. Well, I really appreciate that, David. And you were kind to tell me that a while ago, like when the book came out and it's really just, it's really nice to hear it again. And I just obviously really agree and always, but especially right now, I think we need small victories and they're available to us in our kitchens, which is incredible. That was really sweet. Thank you. my final question, which is just the question I ask everyone who's kind enough to come on my podcast. And I ask that you just don't overthink it. And the first thing to come to your mind, and there's no judgment, there's no pressure. Is that enough disclaimers? Are you nervous? (laughs) Yeah, I'm nervous. nervous. Okay. But I'm always nervous. (laughs) Okay. David, what was your favorite thing to eat when you were a kid? (sighs) Okay. So um, when I was growing up, there was a no TV rule, no TV until your homework was done. Oh, and I broke 
that rule every day. <laughs> I came home, I threw my backpack, like, I don't know, in the basement somewhere where I couldn't find it. I, I, I almost, I almost got kicked out of school. I, I mean, I, I, I was such a terrible student and I turned on the TV and I, no joke, got a stack of Oreos that uh-huh. was probably eight or 10 high. And I got milk and I, and I just went through that stack of Oreos while watching, I think like cartoons or something, just trash yeah. TV, right? Trash after school TV. Did that every day for several years. So I got to yeah. say that's probably, that probably, yeah. is probably one of my favorite foods. And I still really like an Oreo. In fact, I just bought, this is, this is I swear it's not a plug for camp, but just, I just bought from the King store some black cocoa so I could uh-huh. make, so you can make um, them. homemade Oreos. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you someone who, as a kid or as an adult, do you eat the whole Oreo? You take a bite, you eat it. Are you taking them apart? Are you separating the cookie and the cream filling? I'm just interested in these details. I do separate the Oreo. Uh-huh. I do not lick uh-huh. Oreo. I think uh-huh. that's a little, you know, I don't think that's very cute. Um, but I will take the Oreo that does not have the cream on it and kind of scrape through the middle. I don't know. It's just, it's just sort of yeah. like playing with my food, but I do yeah. like, but I am separating. Yeah. You're kind of separating and, and scraping and doing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's interactive. It's a great cookie. I mean, you can't beat it. It's a great cookie. Yeah. Also vegan. Wild. Yeah. I've never even thought about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I mean, I eat everything, but the farm where I work, a lot of the people I work with are, I don't know if they call themselves vegan or plant-based or what, but a lot of them just don't eat animal products. And this is how I learned that Oreos are vegan, which is, I just love knowing that. Yeah. What a gift to vegans and everyone else. <laughs> um, David, thank you so much. This was really fun. It was really nice to see you and talk to you and, you know, celebrate our shared love of bagels, but also to talk about like what makes this recipe in particular so good and just all these other things. Really fun. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm so glad you're excited about it. I'm so thankful for, for you yeah. and for doing, and for doing this whole baking series. I mean, we just need, as we talked about, we just need more more baking and more talking about baking in the world. So yeah. thank you. Yeah. No, thank you so much. Thanks again to King Arthur Baking for supporting this episode. Head to kingarthurbaking.com for more. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you haven't already, please remember to rate and review the show and head to juliatertian.com for more about the show and my work. Until next time, take care. <laughs>